Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, why don't people get the help they need? With us in our virtual studio is the Elaine taylor Cross, one of our favorite guests for topics like this. Before we get into the meat of our show, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, uh, and better known as CHAD. In celebration of that event, we'd like to uh, give away free copies of uh, Attention Magazine in digital form. To get yours, listen to our show. We'll share a keyword several times. All you have to do is write it down and uh, listen to another show, write the secret word of that show down, and then just email me the two secret words. The address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, I will, well, I will forward the chat, and they will send you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they will send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it is in print. Chad's got a tip that we're going to run, and then we'll get into the show. If you or a loved one struggle with ADHD, children and adults with ADHD can help. Chad is the nation's leading nonprofit organization supporting people affected by ADHD. Chad offers comprehensive programs and services at both the national and local levels. To learn about all the resources and information available to help, Visit Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying Uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, we're here with Elaine Taylor-Kloss, who for uh, over a decade, uh, Elaine struggled as a mom of an ADD plus plus family a five, but after she discovered that the coach approach dramatically helped her, her kids, and the entire family, she co-founded the first ever virtual uh, parent coaching support organization for parents and complex of complex kids, ImpactADHD.com. In 2020, uh, ImpactADHD expanded to become uh, ImpactParents.com, reflecting the broad range of parents supported um, in their first decade. Parents of Complex Kids Challenged with ADHD, Anxiety, Learning Disabilities, and More. An award-winning online resource and blog for parents and professionals, Impact Parents provides coaching and training support around the globe. <clears throat> Elaine uh, has served as a parent advisor for the American Academy of Pediatrics and on the National uh, Board of CHAD, uh, where she continues to serve on their public policy committee in addition to serving as a CEO of Impact Parents and providing private uh, coaching for adults worldwide, Elaine is a co-author of Parenting ADHD Now, Easy Intervention Strategies to Empower Kids with ADHD, and author of the 2020 number one new release, The Essential Guide 
of uh, raising complex kids with ADHD, anxiety, and more. Uh, again, her website, impactparents.com. With that, Elaine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here, as always. I always like having you on. This is an interesting topic. Like, why don't people get the help that they need? I'm not so sure that you know, there's one answer. There's different ways of looking at it. But I, you know, I thought that having you on would be a real healthy conversation because you have kids and you have adults and various people who don't seek the help that they really kind of need. So over the years in your work, what are your perspectives on the topic? What have you noticed? Well, you know, it's funny. Diane and I have done a lot of work on this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of two angles to look at here. One is why don't kids get the help they need? And then the other is why don't adults get the help they need? And the the reasons are actually different. Hmm. Um, so where, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I, I, I have my theories. I'd like to hear yours first. So um, how about kids? Okay. So, so that's easy because it's really like we've, we've done some research on this. We've done surveys and research with parents. We've, we've made our own observations. Um, and some of them are really, really simple. Sometimes, you know, oftentimes kids don't want to need help. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't want to feel like anything's wrong that would require help. So mm-hmm. they often don't ask for help because they don't want to need it. Um, sometimes they don't ask for help, similar to that, because they feel like they've messed up so much that they just don't. They don't want to be to feel judged again or wrong again or like they made a mistake again. So very often they don't ask because there's this. Um, if, if I don't, if I don't ask, then I won't get in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get in trouble because I didn't do my homework. I see about this one kid I knew who in ninth grade, he was a really smart kid, really high achiever. Um, and in ninth grade, he got behind the eight ball and then he was afraid to tell anyone mm-hmm. because he was embarrassed. So there's embarrassment and shame around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that he couldn't do the work. He just couldn't manage the organization of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes our kids, you know, we live in, especially those of us in the U.S., although I think this is very true in, in most of the Western world, there's a strong sort of rugged individualism that I should be able to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I, You and I have talked about this so many times. If I just try harder, yep. because they don't understand that, that it's because they don't actually know or understand what needs to be done. So if they could learn how to do it differently, they might be able to do it differently. But, but the assumption is I must be lazy. I must be crazy. I must be stupid. There must be something so wrong with me that, um, that there's no way I can, I can get out of this. So they don't ask for help because I should just try harder. I should mm-hmm. just be smarter. Mm-hmm. Right? I so should there's, just. A, there's a moral diagnose, diagnosis actually going on, self-diagnosis. Uh-huh. I suggest, right? Um, sometimes kids don't ask for help because they're just stressed. They're so overwhelmed and they're shut down. So mm-hmm. they don't even, they can't see how help could help them. So they don't even think it's worth it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, sometimes they've asked for help in the past and they haven't gotten that kind of help they really needed. Mm-hmm. And so, so then they feel like, well, they're not helpful, or if the parents are in any way judgmental, if the parents don't really understand executive function or what they're going through. I, I was talking to a mom yesterday of a, of a young adult who said, 
you know, it, it was not a client. It was a friend. And she said, I'm going to go read him the, the riot act. I said, you want to talk about it? It's like, what are you going to do? She said, well, I'm going to tell him that if he doesn't get, get good grades, he's not going to be able to live here anymore. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, what, what if we change that to holding him accountable to using the, the systems you put in place for help for him? Cause mm-hmm. we've given him so much help. What if the accountability isn't that you get an A or a B, but you hold them accountable to you met with your executive function person once a week, you, you know, whatever the systems are you put in place that you agree to. So oftentimes we're holding them accountable to outcomes instead of actually setting an environment that, that holds them accountable to asking for and using help, mm-hmm. which, which would shift the environment completely that would make it a reward for using help and, ask, and accepting help because it's both asking for and accepting. Oftentimes they agree to, to the help that we give them, but then we spend thousands of dollars on help that they're not using because they really weren't bought in in the first place. They agreed to it, but they really didn't have ownership of it. So there's a so, whole bunch of things going on with kids, right? Yeah, so I want to repeat that again. So the idea is we all often define the outcome that, hey, this is what you need to do, as opposed to holding them accountable to using the system. In other words, yeah. it doesn't really it takes it off the outcome, <clears throat> but focusing on the system, hopefully to get to the outcome. Right. So, you know, with a young kid, it would be, the, the holding them accountable, giving the rewards for studying 10 minutes every day for spelling instead of giving them a reward for getting an A on a spelling test. Mm-hmm. Huge it's, distinction. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I kind of like frame this out a little bit. I have clients call me a lot and I say, you know, you come to me because you want to achieve goals. And, you know, a goal might be you want to run a marathon. When you cross the, the finish line, you've achieved your goal. So if you want to do the goal, you set up the plan, like I'm going to run every day. And I don't really coach that. I don't really care about the goal or the plan. What, what I do is coaching, how do you get out the door every day to run? If I can get the person to yeah. do that, then they can execute the plan and get to the outcome. And what I'm hearing you um, do here is like, let's focus on the system to get you out the door, not so much you got to run the marathon because that can get kind of overwhelming. Is that a, a, is that a yeah? That and sense and to even you? before that, even before that, <clears throat> setting an environment. So this goes to to what the role of the parent, making it okay to make mistakes, making setting an environment that that models asking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I often say to parents, I don't cut my own hair and I don't do my own taxes. <laughs> and right, like there are things I don't do that I ask for help to do. And so I, I learned pretty early how important it was to show my kids that there's no moral deficit in asking for help. And I had to be the one to model that. If I'm trying to make it look as, an, as a parent, if I'm a perfectionist, if I've got to do it all myself, if it's easier for me to do it because that way it'll get done right. And I know there are people listening who are like, oops, that's me, right? Yep. Then, then what we're modeling for our kids is actually the opposite of what we want them to learn. So we want them to accept and use help, but we actually don't do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we get confused and wonder why they're not. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Um, and so modeling it is huge. Okay. Really so huge. So I tell you what, I want to take a break here. This is really, really good because I'm, I'm going to go to break and come back, and I want to hear your perspective on adults. 
and then I'm going to kind of share my perspective. Well, so far, I really, I really like everything that you're kind of laying on the table. I'm going to basically kind of say the same thing, but I'm going to come at it from a different perspective that I think might, might help some people. Okay. So um, for our listeners, our secret word tonight is why, W-H-Y. And uh, everybody got to check out Elaine's website at impactparents.com and particularly go to impactparents.com forward slash attention. And they got a little tip sheet that you can kind of download. So uh, with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Claus of Impact Parents. Dot com. We're talking about why people don't get the help that they need. Before the break, she was making the distinction between kids and adults, and she was talking about what she's learned um, and her perspective on kids. Uh, let's turn to adults. You say that uh, they don't seek help going for maybe for different reasons. So what do you learn about adults in this space? Well, so I want to mention one more thing about kids, and that will okay. segue nicely, if that's okay. So yeah, one of the ahead. other reasons kids don't ask for or accept help is because they're not ready for it. You're asking them to do something that they may not be developmentally ready for. They may not have the executive function skills ready for it. They may not have the awareness or understanding. And so sometimes it's about catching them up and getting them bought in and, and, and on the same page before you start putting solutions in place. And it's mm-hmm. making sure that they are developmentally ready. It's kind of similar with that as adults. When adults, particularly when they're first diagnosed with ADHD or or first beginning to realize that they want to learn to manage their ADHD, there's a lot of things they haven't learned yet. There's a lot of understanding they don't have. There are skills they don't have. And so you've got to slow down a little bit and understand what's going on with the brain, understand how the ADHD shows up for you. I mean, you and I talk about this with clients all the time, Jeff. It's, Mm -hmm. It's until you understand how it's showing up for you, you can't get yourself to do whatever it is that you're being asked to do or you want to do because mm-hmm. you've got to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the big reasons I think that, that adults with ADD, they just want to fix. They want a pill. They want a solution. They want to, they want to fix it. <laughs> and, and part of the challenge for so, – so they want something to make it go away. But it's hard to ask for help just when if you're not really quite at a place where you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one piece. Um, okay. I think adults come to it differently, um, and it does depend on you know what age we were diagnosed and what our level of understanding is. Um, some of the issues are similar. I don't want to need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm embarrassed that I have to need it. It still happens for us as adults. I, I'm afraid I can't afford it is a big one for adults. I don't have the time for it. You know, and the irony, of course, is it, it becomes really a time saver 
But yes. you know, think about how many times people are like, I don't have time to. Well, we don't have time to do anything. We make the time for what's important and what priorities are for us. And so I think another reason parents re- or adults really struggle with it is because they, they have these notions of what it means. They don't really understand it or they're afraid that it will become more of a burden instead of seeing it as a, as a possibility. And, and there's, you know, from a parenting perspective, there's a lot of shame around it. Like, you know, parenting is supposed to be natural. I should know how to do this. Yes. I shouldn't need help parenting a complex kid, which is, you know, kind of wacky because these kids did not come. No kid came with an instruction manual, and when they come with executive function challenges, that's a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. You know, when their regulation is, 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 is wonky and your self-regulation is wonky, that's a lot. And, you know, all of the recommended treatment tells us that we start with, with you know, parent engagement, parent education, not just information, but, but supporting parents through managing it. Mm-hmm. Um, same for adults, ADHD coaching, um, CBT, you know, supporting yes. people through managing it, not just giving them information about it. Yes. But, but there's Good. this notion that if I just read a book, that's all I need. Yes. And, and really, that's not enough. Oh, my God, I love this. So, I'll stop. So, <laughs> so everybody, I'm, I agree 100% with Elaine. I'm going to frame this out slightly differently because it's an executive functioning impairment. And, you know, Elaine, over the years, I, I've studied emotions a little bit. When I first got into it, I didn't really realize the role emotions play in executive functioning, but I've come to realize it more and more. And I've, I've come to look at an emotion as a reflexive reaction. When we are threatened with our lives, our primitive brain kicks in and we go to fight, flight, or freeze. And in those moments where you are, you are threatened, threatened with your life, you, your mind evaporates, your thinking brain is taken offline, and you just instinctively react to it. And as I studied that a little bit, and I take a look at self-awareness, which, by the way, there's a high correlation with self-awareness and success in life. And people with ADHD struggle with self-awareness. And I, as I thought about it, you know, to be self-aware is you to have to confront yourself. I mean, you've got to call yourself out yeah. on things. And it's threatening. And and ideally, without judging yourself. Exactly. And, it's, and it's, it's hard to do because we all, to me, and this is just my way of looking. I'm not saying this is it, but there's this self-image that we like to project out into the world because we have to interact with people. And you want to, you know, you want to put this thing up there and you want to project that, that to interact. And sometimes it's, there's some truth to it. There's also some, some things that you add to it. You, you don't have to be quite the way you are, but the bottom line is, is you, you really want to be what this, this image that you are, and that self-acceptance, again, is exceptionally threatening, and people resist. And there's, yeah. I was just in interviews with Dr. Barkley one time, and I, I till I read, I had him transcribed and re, reread it a couple times, that I understand the brilliance. He said, you know, there's a lot of people out there who know a lot about ADHD, but the difference between knowing something about it and owning it is completely different. And there's that piece, right. and I want to come back to that is the only, and the other thing too that you said that I, I love to make this distinction is, you know, you said adults just want to be able to read that book. And, and I, this is true. I read a couple books on how to play the guitar, but when I picked it up, I right. couldn't play it. And I like that analogy because there's one thing about knowledge. There's other thing about the execution of knowledge. I think there's this fallacy, which is read the book. 
it's going to say these tip tricks or strategies are there, but the bottom line is, to me, as I describe, if you have ADHD, you got to live in a paradox. I should be able to do that, but I'm not going to. So, for example, I have dyslexia. I should spend more time focusing on trying to get my spelling right, but I'm not going to do it. The reason I'm not going to do it is that's an enormous amount of energy that I'm expending that is being taken and I could use somewhere else in my life. So it's impairing my life to get really that quirky about it. Because at the end of the day, I don't think, it's on my grandson, this guy was horrible because he, he didn't pay attention to spelling. I've been fortunate with the internet and, and the slang that's come along. Things have gotten a little bit more relaxed and, and I can get away with a little bit more. But I go back to the things that you had talked about, kids not wanting to need help. They don't want to feel wrong or judged. Yeah. The shame and the embarrassment, the issue to me really comes down to emotional self-regulation and you feel threatened if you go down that road and we have a reflexive reaction to fight back. So we resist. Built it kind of in the model. Thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, no, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, that it's, the bottom line is that it's got to be conscious. Mm-hmm. And, when it's, and we've got to make this, we've got to choose and that's where asking help comes in so powerfully. We've got to choose to manage our ADHD. It's not just going to manage by itself. And it's not just going to manage by itself if we take a pill. Mm-hmm. Right? The pill is going to make it easier for us to do it. But if mm-hmm. we don't make the conscious choice and say, okay, I want, to, I want to manage this and get some help to figure out how, we're going to spin our wheels for years and years and never quite have the kind of fulfilling ability to express ourselves in the world as, as we want because we're really missing out on, on too much that's involved because it's not simple. Absolutely. Tell you what, when you go to break, when we come back, I suspect most of the people that are listening to this show are the spouse of somebody or the parent of somebody because they got somebody else who wants to get help. And I want to come back and have a conversation about that dynamic and what you can and can't do. Again, for our listeners out there, our secret word is why, W-H-Y, and check out Elaine and everything they have to offer at impactparents.com. And if you go to impactparents.com forward slash attention, there's a little tip sheet you can download. So with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Elaine Taylor-Claus having a very good conversation about people with ADHD who don't want to get help. We've talked about kids. We've talked about adults. Uh, kind of framed out for me how it's actually an executive function issue because it requires emotional self-regulation to address yourself from an awareness perspective. And so when you do that, you feel threatened, and your natural inclination is to resist and fight back. Um, like an underlying, you still have to deal with it tactically. And when you're dealing with somebody that um, has ADHD and you want them to get help, from my perspective, all too often, we want to get them to get help. We want to control them. And people come to me all the time, I can't coach somebody else. I can only coach you. And so there's that notion of control versus influence. And um, Mm -hmm. when people are trying to control somebody else or get them to do something, it's threatening and they resist even more. So you have really, really good intentions, but the way you're going about it, from an executive functioning perspective, the way I frame this out is you're actually threatening them even more and they resist even more. So they actually shut down even more. Um, and so exactly. what I always say is we have, to, we have to change our mindset to influence, not control, because as long as you're doing that, you're making it actually, you have good intentions, but you're making it worse. And it's hard because yeah. Yeah. We, we, we want them to do it. And so we are imposing our will on them. And I'm hearing you're saying, yes, yes, yes. It, it, this, it requires self-regulation on your part to not kind of get them to get it, but to pause and maybe shift to the influence side. Thoughts? Absolutely. Yeah. I, so, so two thoughts. One is, and, and I'm going to pin influence and control because it's a huge topic and I love it. And I want to go back to what you said a second ago and make sure I don't lose this thought, which is not only is an emotional regulation issue, but it's also an ambiguity issue. If I know I need help, but I don't know what that help is or what it looks like or what's going to, how much time it's going to take or what it's going to cost me, then I'm likely to procrastinate or not do it or choose not mm-hmm. to because it's confusing. So there's, there's that factor, and I just want to throw that in. Yes. Um, but, but coming back to what you're saying about com- control versus, versus influence, it, 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 at the end of the day, that's what it's about whether it's a a wife calling me saying my husband needs a coach or a parent calling me saying my kid needs a coach, my answer is the same thing. Are they asking for help? Mm -hmm. Often the answer is no, but they need it. Yes. If the answer is no, but they need it, then they're not ready for it. And so, as you say, the the next work is about shifting our mindset, understanding the dynamic of what's going on, changing the way that we have conversations with them so that we can enroll them into what's in it for them to get yes. the help. They're not going to get the help because it will help our lives be better. They're only going to do it if they can see how it will help their life be better. Yes. Now, it's possible that a spouse you know, making my spouse happy is going to make my life better. You know, happy life, happy, happy wife, happy life. There's, there's a little bit of that. But even with that, they've got to see the value to them to get the help. And we can't do that by convincing. That's mm-hmm. a control game. We can only do that by influencing, by inviting them to a conversation, by, by asking questions and, and shifting the way that we communicate so that they begin to own it differently. When you tell something, someone something, they receive that. I was, I was studying, helping my daughter study for the MCATs, so I had to go back and redo all of, of intro psychology, which was fascinating. <laughs> and, and what I was reminded is that when you tell somebody something, the way they receive that information is very different than if they discover something for themselves. 
when they discover something, they have a different kind of ownership, and it's a different level of, of awareness and sophistication. And so we really want to move out of trying to tell, or we call it in our realm, direct, and, and move into collaborate and invite and, and help our, our kids, our spouses, our partners, our, our siblings, or whoever it is we're trying to help. We see the value to them, but that doesn't matter if they don't see the value for themselves. Mm-hmm. So and convincing them of that or telling them that isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to work. Telling, directing, controlling is threatening, so people resist. Right. Your, exactly. And to me, there's a continuum. The more you trust somebody and the less it impacts on your life, the more you're going to do what somebody tells you to do. The less you trust them and yeah. the greater the impact on your life, the more you're going to resist it. But I've, to me, there's really five ways right. you can get somebody to change what they're paying attention. One is to tell them, and that's, you know, again, Young, maybe as you get older, it's harder. An accident where you're caught off guard and your your belief systems and stuff aren't there, and all of a sudden a person sees it, and you can't control that. The third one is to point out um, uh, outcomes. So my older son doesn't have ADHD, but when he was younger, he would study in groups. And I'd say, you know, it's interesting. You got a really good grade. I noticed you were studying in a group. Hey, you got a really good grade over here. I noticed you were studying in a group. And I'm just pointing out the success yep. and the correlation between the two. And it's funny he was ignoring me, but years later, he's like off with study groups because he chose to look at that cause and effect and saw data. So that's one. The other one is to walk no, but in. And, and say, let me just know, say really quickly on that. Let me just say on that because what happened was you allowed him to draw his own conclusion. Yes. You allowed him to have the insight that was his awareness. If yes. you had said you do better when you study with groups, he would not have had insight. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You have an influence but you're not controlling it because it's his choice. Right. The other one is where I walk in and say, hey, I have learned that when I talk out loud, I'm able to solve problems. Hey, I learned, like, you're just comparing, like, this yeah. is what I do. Mm-hmm. These are the successes, and it's over there, and they can choose to listen to you or not, but you're having an impact on that. And then the fifth one is the coaching conversation where you ask them questions. What's possible mm-hmm. if you do this, that? And if a person – is open to it, you ask them these questions for them to begin to think. And I've got some other shows that we're, we're coming to realize thinking is very difficult with people with ADHD and they escape it. So yeah. you're actually asking questions to facilitate the thinking process for them to discover it because thinking on their own is so so difficult. So this, this, this paradigm shift from directing and telling where you're trying to control it to one where you're throwing it out there over a period of time and hopefully they'll make that choice doesn't mean that they're going to do it, but I've learned over the years there's a higher probability that they will make that choice because you're not threatening them. And so you have to yeah, sit with that a little bit. For sure. Because it, it's counterintuitive, well, but the more you push it, the worse it gets. Well, I, yes. And here's what my, the light bulb that just went off for me. In, in the framework that we teach for transferring ownership, letting go of control, um, Phase one is director. Everybody starts there. Phase two is collaboration, which is what we've been talking about, having conversations that invite them to the conversation, what's in it for them, whatever. Phase three is to move into support roles, and that's actually when they start getting the help. So collaboration is about helping them see the value or the need for asking for help. And then there's the process of learning how to use help. And mm-hmm. that takes some time and, and effort that, you know, we dance back and forth very often from collaboration to support, collaboration to support, because we want to keep giving them the opportunity to take on, you know, to take the mantle of something and then to practice 
using help, asking for help, getting support. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one parent said to me recently, so you're saying I need to be my kid's roadie when they get to that point? Like, yeah, it's like let them (laughs) take the lead and say, sure, you you could help me with with lunch. You could help me with getting up in the morning. You could help me with whatever it is. But, but beginning to design with our kids and teach them, and I know I'm moving back to parenting, but it's the same for adults with ADHD, teaching the concept of what does it look like to ask for and accept help. How do you use help? How do you understand what you need help for and, and outsource to that? You know, when I was diagnosed <laughs> with ADHD, the very first thing I did was hire a bookkeeper because I realized <laughs> how much time I was spending doing the family bills and what an inefficient use of time it was for me because I'm terrible at it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, literally it was the very, it was, I finally figured out why I was struggling so much and it was a really easy decision because it ultimately saved us tons of money, right? For me to get out of that and to be able to work in in something where I'm in my zone of genius and, you know, all kinds of values to it. But Absolutely. I had to learn how to have someone help me. And that's a step we tend to say, well, just get the help. But then we don't really help people learn how to be effective with it and be okay. I couldn't agree with you more. So I want to pull this together. But before I do, there's only there's one area that I'm going to throw out there that I run into every once in a while. It's, it's probably the most challenging one. And it's more of an adult thing is when you have a spouse that has ADHD and they're casted in a job and they're very successful in their job, the wheels are coming off at home, but they're successful yeah. in their job. And in that, they're seeing the proof in the job that they are right and they're, they're, they're not as open to it because they're having success and they're getting that from other places in their life. And it's, it's, it's a little bit more challenging dynamic. It's still about influencing, yep. not telling, but I'm just going to acknowledge that out there. That's, that's a little bit of an anomaly. So, well, today, there's, there's, and, and just to point out, there's one, two things happening there. One, sometimes they may be really successful in their job because they're motivated, because they're doing something they love. Yes. Sometimes they're very successful in their job because they have support systems in place at work that they don't have at home. Exactly. So sometimes those are those it's conscious to remember. Sometimes it's conscious that sometimes they just fall into it. So at the end of the day, yeah. I think it's for me, in studying executive function, I go back to emotion, emotion, motion. It's feeling threatened, and they resist. If you're dealing with somebody, the more you direct, tell, push, and control, the more they're going to resist. It's baked yep. into the impairment. And if you understand that one single nugget, you can shift your mindset to go more to the influencer role, which doesn't give you a guarantee, but it gives you a path of possibilities, whereas the other one, you're actually kind of making it worse. So. As we close this out, any last thoughts? Um, you know, what I say all the time is, is figure out what it is for you to ask for help and to accept help. And, and if it's hard for you, acknowledge that and have some conversations with somebody to help you figure out how to get over it because it's standing in your way more than you realize. As I say, hard is overrated. <laughs> Whenever you're there, try to make it a lot easier in life. I mean, just doing things the hard way, it's, I, I don't know why you'd want to do that. And it's funny because I went to college and I was on an athletic scholarship. I had unlimited tutors. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm not. Like, at one point in time, I had the highest tutoring bill at Indiana University when I was a sophomore. Because I'm like, use the help. Let's make this thing easy. So just share that out there. So anyway, with that, Elaine, yes, thank you so much for coming on the show. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. 
Everybody, check it out, impactparents.com. More specifically, impactparents.com forward slash attention. Download your script sheet. Our secret word tonight is why. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.